today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. in the book of Romans, um, up to this point, Paul has proven, according to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But let's not stop there because it goes on in the verse 24 and says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified. Now, we've looked at this word for several weeks. I've given the definition of it many, many times. Y'all ought to be able by now to tell me what that word justified means. The way I remembered it, and I had to remember it when I was going to school because they give us a bunch of words and we had to define them, give the, the definition of the word. The way I remembered it best, justified, never sinned. Justified, never sinned. Cleared of all the charges. So when you look there at Romans 3 and verse 24, read it like this. Being cleared of all the charges freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, any time Paul uses that term, in Christ Jesus, he uses it over and over and over again in his writings. He is always referring to what Jesus did for us at the cross. It was there that man's sin debt was forever paid. And he paid the price that was enough to satisfy that sin debt. Sin is what gives Satan the legal right to hold man in bondage. He has a right to do it because of the sin nature that resides within our hearts and lives. We are born with that sin nature. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in that garden when they fell uh, way back in the very beginning. But Jesus redeemed us with his own precious blood. He bought us out of that slave market. We were slaves to sin. He bought us out of that, never to be put up for sale again. Praise God. Redeemed us by and through his precious blood. And it's for anybody who will believe. And Paul is going to prove that. Now, Romans 3, verse 28, Therefore we conclude 
that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Salvation is not of works, it's by faith. The sin debt of man was so great, there's just no way that anyone could ever work it off. It's, it's like me owing the bank a trillion dollars. I mean, there ain't no way in the world that I could ever pay off a trillion dollars unless y'all give me a massive raise. <laughs> but it's on the books, and the bank says, Mr. Pierce, you owe it. Well, they'd have to come lock me up in jail or do something. Uh, I mean, I, I could just tell them, well, look, I owe you this money. It's on the books. I tell you what I'll do. I'll work it off. I tell you what I'll do. I'll cut y'all's grass this week, and we'll call it even. Yeah. That's not going to fly too good. We're going to have to sit down and sign some papers or something and figure out some way to, to pay this debt off. I'm going to have to get a job somewhere and work and, and make some, some monthly payments uh, to get this paid off. And there's no way in the world that I'll live long enough to ever pay that kind of money off. But let's say I walk into the bank one day and I've got some money in my hand to pay on that bill that I owe the bank. And the teller pulls it up, pulls up the account, and she says, Mr. Pierce, your debt's been paid in full. Somebody has come in and they have paid it off. You don't owe us anything. You don't owe them anything. It's been paid in full. What? <laughs> they turns the screen around and shows me right there. There it is. Paid in full. Now, I've got a choice to make. I can either just accept that by faith and what they've told me, and I see it right there on the screen. It's been paid in full. I can either accept that by faith, or I can say, no, I don't believe that. Give them my money. Go right back out there and keep on working and coming back in and trying to pay that note when it's been paid in full. That right there is exactly... What much of Christianity is doing today. We got people trying to work off that which Jesus Christ has already paid for. You understand what I'm saying? We're justified freely by His grace. We don't have to work for it. But it's just something inside the heart of the human being that wants to try to earn salvation we've we've just got to feel like we've put our little two cents in we've done our little part we have no part the only part that we have as believers is to believe that's it that's your part you simply believe in what jesus did we're justified by faith without the deeds of the law now paul uses abraham as an example in chapter 4, and Abraham was born before the law ever came into being. Now, Romans 4, verse 1, 
What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, when it says that Abraham believed God, it was more than just the belief that there is a God. There's evidence that Abraham actually saw the Lord. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, and he rejoiced and was glad in it. Abraham's faith was more than just the belief that there is a God. The devil believes that there's a God. That don't mean that he's justified. That don't mean that the devil is saved. So what was it then that Abraham believed? Well, yes, he believed that, that God was, but it went a little further than that. God spoke to Abraham told him that his seed would be as the stars of heaven. We also, in those chapters, we see where Abraham leaves out of Ur of the Chaldees, headed toward the promised land. He builds an altar. You don't build an altar unless you're going to offer up a sacrifice, which goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. Where did Cain and Abel get it from? They got it from Adam and Eve. Because it is believed that when God killed those animals in the Garden of Eden and, and took those skins and covered Adam and Eve, that's where the Old Testament sacrificial system started at. This is what God said, you have to bring a lamb and offer it up for your sin. Once that atonement is made, then we can have relationship. That is how we have relationship with God. And Abraham, uh, he built those altars. He offered up sacrifices. But it was more than that. God told Abraham that your seed would be as the stars of heaven. Well, Abraham and Sarah, for years, tried to have children. And the biological clock was running out on Sarah. And she said, well, take Hagar, my handmaiden, go in unto her. You can use her as a surrogate and bring forth children. Now, that was acceptable in the eyes of man during that particular time, but it was not acceptable in the eyes of God. God didn't tell them to do that. They were trying to help God out. God don't need your help. The best way to help God is to get out of the way. That's the best way to help God out, just get out of the way. But Abraham and Sarah tried to help God, brought in Hagar, this young Egyptian girl, and Hagar, Abraham went in under Hagar, and Ishmael was born, and we're still paying for that today. 9-11, which will be coming up this Sunday, is a result of that union between Abraham and Hagar. The whole Muslim world over there came from Ishmael. So, we're told that Abraham was a hundred years old when God told him that Sarah 
would bring forth a child. Now, when Sarah heard that, she laughed. And God said, why did Sarah laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. Oh, yes, you did, too. (laughs) And uh, Abraham, despite being 100 years old, he was beyond the age of, of being able to have children. Sarah was as well. Paul said that their bodies were now dead. But despite that, they believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Genesis 15 and verse 6. But it was more than just bringing forth a child and having a son. Abraham knew that somehow this child would be used to ultimately redeem mankind because it was through Isaac, God said, shall your seed be called. It was through Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and you trace it right on down the line. It was through the tribe of Judah that the Messiah would come. Later on, we find out it would be through David, uh, David's family, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be born. Abraham believed God, Genesis fifteen six, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. If you understand this verse, then you understand the Bible. I'm not saying you understand every little thing in there, but you've got a gist of what salvation is. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, Romans 4 and verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. Now, but of debt. This speaks of someone who is working and trying to earn their salvation. In other words, they're saying, I'm going to do this right here, whatever this right here may be. It could be water baptism. It could be the Lord's Supper. It could be coming up here and shaking my hand. It could be writing their name down on a church roll somewhere. The list goes on and on and on. I'm going to give so much money. It speaks of someone who's trying to earn their salvation. I'm going to do this right here, and if I do this right here, then God owes me. The problem with that is God is not going to owe anybody. He don't owe anybody anything. If you give God $10,000 tonight, I'm going to shout all over this church, and I'm going to be glad, and we're all going to rejoice. But that has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. Now, God will bless you abundantly so. I believe that. But it absolutely contributes not one thing to your salvation. If you give, let's say, for instance, that Terry over here gives $10,000 to the church. Jimmy over here gives $5,000. Does that mean that Terry is $10,000 saved more than Jimmy? Both of them are saved alike. It makes no difference what you give. Now, yes, you're supposed to give. 
Yes, we're supposed to work, but we're not to trust in those things. Our faith is not to be in those works. Our faith is to be in the finished work of Christ. If your faith is right, then your works will be right. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Like I said, God's not going to owe anybody anything. All right, Romans 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not. Now, that speaks of someone who is not trusting in works for salvation. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Just as God awarded righteousness to Abraham because of his faith, God will also award righteousness to anybody anyone makes no difference who they are anyone who places their faith in the finished work of Christ now in verse 6 of Romans chapter 4 Paul brings forth David David was born under the law Abraham was born before the law ever come on the scene David was born under the law. Abraham represents every sinner that has ever come to God, for all have sinned. David represents every believer that has ever go before, gone before the Lord. Lord, I've broken your law. I have sinned against you, Lord. Please forgive me. So you see, Paul has dealt with Abraham Now he's going to deal with David. He's going to deal with the believer now. And he says there in Romans 4, verse 6, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, this is taken from Psalm 32. Dana, if you will, pull Psalm 32 up on the screen. I want to take a look at that. Psalm 32, it is believed that David wrote this psalm shortly after he committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And you know the story. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband Uriah murdered. Put him up on the front lines of the battlefield and then he was killed shortly after that. Now, according to the law, If you did this, if you committed adultery, if you committed murder, either one, you were to die. Death penalty. That's what the law said. David looks beyond that. His faith, he looked through the eye of faith. And beg for the mercy of God. Psalm 32 speaks of the fear of unconfessed sin 
and then the blessing that comes from confessing it to God and being forgiven. Now let's look at it. Psalm 32, verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, that's when David wouldn't confess his sin, but tried to cover it up. He had committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. She comes in a short time later, says, I'm pregnant. He knew he had done wrong. Instead of confessing it before God, he tried to cover it up. He said, when I kept silence... My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. God was dealing with him. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit was upon him. He couldn't sleep at night. He was sweating it out and worried about this thing. But then he said in verse 5, But I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Does that sound familiar? Sounds very similar to 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, David failed the Lord as all of us have. We've all failed the Lord at one time or the other. But his faith failed not. Now, I'm going to deal with something that's a little bit sticky for a few minutes because people have different opinions about it. When David committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, did he lose his salvation? Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. Did David lose his salvation? When he committed that sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Let's take it a step further. If that won't enough, did he lose it when he schemed and had Uriah murdered? Did he lose his salvation? Had he dropped dead anywhere during that time, would he have died lost? Or was he saved? David did not lose his salvation. Although he had committed those sins, he did not lose his salvation. Now, before you go tearing your clothes and pulling your hair and throwing dust in the air, I want you to think about it for a minute. We're justified by faith. We're not justified or saved by what we do. If faith gets us in, faith is what keeps us in. If we lose faith, then faith, that's what gets us out of salvation. If we lose faith, 
Understand? Now, if we work to get saved, we do something to get saved, then a lack of doing could make us unsaved. Do you understand what I'm saying? But this whole thing, our salvation is not based on what we do. Our salvation is based on what we believe. And although David committed that horrible sin of adultery and then had Uriah murdered, he did not lose his salvation. Now, had he continued down that road, he ultimately would have, but God was dealing with him. The moment you do wrong as a child of God, you know it. And God deals with you. He fingers around your heart. You know you've done wrong. That's the Lord dealing with you. He's trying to bring you back in the line. The fellowship has been broken. David may have failed the Lord, but his faith didn't fail. And to give you an example of what I'm saying... The Lord looked at Simon Peter at the Last Supper and said, Simon, Simon, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. He said, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail." Not. Now, denying the Lord is right up there with adultery and murder. Now, you might say, no, it ain't either. Look, Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So, his sin was on up there. And Jesus told Simon Peter, you're going to fail me. But I pray that your faith fail not. And that's the key. But sin will erode your faith. If you stay in that thing, you keep trying to cover it up, you will not repent. It keeps eating away at your faith and you keep getting weaker and weaker and weaker and ultimately down here somewhere down the road unless you come out of that thing and get right with God you can lose your way you understand what I'm saying God's not up there okay I'm walking along here and I see a pretty skirt tail walk by and I look at it Jesus said if you look at a woman and lust after you've committed adultery the Lord ain't up there with an eraser. Well, he's done blew it. And then I say, Lord, please forgive me. He writes it back down. Somebody cuts me off in traffic five minutes later. I, in my mind, I, th I don't say it, but I think it. Enough evil thoughts go through your mind. <laughs> so the Lord's not up there constantly writing your name down and then taking it out, writing it down, taking it out. Does that sin affect your faith? Does it? I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. 
David committed one of the worst sins, the death penalty. That's what he deserved. He tried to cover it up, but God kept dealing with him. Brought in Nathan the prophet, confronted him. Everybody finds out about it now. And he confessed his sin before God. And what does the scripture say? Psalm 32, verse 5. But I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. His faith failed not. And that's what God is looking at. Where is your faith? Let's go on and look at verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly. Look at that. Notice what it says. Psalm 32, verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. When you've done wrong and the Lord deals with you about it, he's giving you permission to repent. He's giving you permission to confess that thing and get it right. Like I said, the moment you do wrong, you know it. Lord, please forgive me. Help me. And he's promised that he will do it. Look at the latter part of verse 6. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Now in verse 8, the Lord speaks to David. And let's see what he says. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye. In other words, the Lord will show you why you failed. Do you get it? When you fail the Lord and fellowship is restored... You spend that time alone with him, he'll show you why you failed. And he'll instruct you and help you in such a way to keep you from doing that later on. He went on to say in verse 9, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which has no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. The Lord doesn't want to constrain us like an animal, but he will if he has to. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 4, verse 6, flip back over there now and take a look at that. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. 
when David committed that horrible sin with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed, he went to God in faith, confessed that thing, and God forgave him. He didn't go out here and start cutting grass for the elderly. He didn't start passing out water bottles. He didn't go try singing in the choir. He didn't try painting the temple or any of the 101 things that are good works that you can think of. He fell on the mercy of God, put his faith in God that God would forgive him. And that's exactly what he did. God imputeth righteousness without works. All right. Verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? Now, Paul is posing this question to the Jews. And let's reword that. Is the blessing of righteousness just for Jews only or is it also for the Gentiles? Is for both. Now, the reason Paul is asking this question is because there were Jews who taught that the Gentiles had to be Jewish, become proselytes in order to be saved. He's dealing with those Jews again who thought, you've got to be Jewish, you've got to go through all this circumcision, and he deals with that here in a couple of more verses. But he went on to say there, in the latter half of verse 9, For we say that faith was reckoned unto Abraham for righteousness. Now, Abraham was originally a Syrian, according to Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 5. Joshua uh, 24 verse 3 tells us that he served other gods. So Abraham was actually a Syrian. He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was born before the law was ever given to Moses. And somehow God spoke to him. He believed God and became the father of us all. So it all started with Abraham. Verse 10. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. Again, he's already addressed these Jews again who said you had to be Jewish to be saved. He's addressing their problem that they have with, with circumcision. You got to be circumcised. And he's telling them, look, Abraham was justified before circumcision ever came along. And if you look in the scriptures, you'll see that God declared Abraham righteous in Genesis 15 and verse 6. It was 14 years later in Genesis chapter uh, 17 that God gave the right of circumcision. And circumcision is just a sign of the righteousness that God gave to Abraham. That's all it is. The Jews had it backwards. And they were saying you got to be circumcised to be saved. No, you don't. Abraham was not circumcised, and God declared him righteous because of his faith. Midway through verse 11, 
that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. In other words, you don't have to be a Jew to be saved. You don't have to be circumcised to be saved. You only have to believe. That's it. Faith is the key. And the father of circumcision to them, verse 12, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only. Abraham is the father of all believers, not just Jews. It's for Jews and Gentiles alike. But who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Again, all who follow in the same uh, footsteps as Abraham. He simply believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. It's the same way for everybody, whether it's a Jew or Gentile, black, white, Hispanic, Japanese, Chinese makes no difference. If they'll put their faith in the finished work of Christ, then it will be accounted unto them for righteousness. And you don't lose your salvation because you do something. You lose your salvation if you stop believing, turn your back on God. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you. Music